And here we go. Thank you, thank you. Okay. Um, so we're going to finish uh, off the writing between Meat and Milk this week. Um, so where we ended off last week was the following. Let's just find the place. I only concerned with the recording of that it Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll let you know now. <coughs> okay. So where we are is the following, is that we know that a person is needing to go about and wait between meals. The only discussion is that how long does a person need to wait? So we said, based on the Gemara, the Gemara says that a person needs to wait between two su'udot. Right? Between one suda and another suda. So fundamentally, there's a machloikas. What exactly does it mean that a person needs to wait between one suda and another suda? According to the opinion of Tosis, it means literally that a person needs to wait between one suda and another suda. So therefore, if a person finishes eating meat, Finishes off the meal by benching, goes about and has a su'uda, uh, goes about and starts a new su'uda, i.e., um, you know, vases and has a milk meal. Is that going to be sufficient? Yes. Yeah, no problem whatsoever. Right, because that's between su'uda and su'uda. Right, but according to the opinion of the Ramam, the Ramam says that between a meal and another meal is not necessarily just an element of waiting till the next meal, but it's rather a measurement of time. So irrelevant when a person is going to be eating the next meal, what does a person need to go about and do? A person needs to go about and wait. Bain su'uda le su'uda. And what is that? That's just a measurement of time. And that measurement of time is what? According to the Rambam? Six hours. Six hours. Yeah? So how do we paskin? How do we paskin? Remember, it's very interesting. On page 71, remember we brought the Shulchan Aruch. The Shulchan Aruch seemingly holds like the opinion of the Rambam. That a person needs to wait between meat and milk. Right? How long does a person need to wait between meat and milk? And how long is that? That's six hours. So it's a measurement of time, according to the Rambam. Rav Moshe Iserlis, the Ramo, interestingly enough, the Ashkenazi Poisek, holds fundamentally unlike the Rambam. He holds like the opinion of Toysus. That in reality, how long does a person need to wait? Just between meals. Just between meals. And how long is that? It's literally just between meals. Correct. Right? But... He says that we should be machnim, we should be vigilant for the opinion of the Rambam. And how long should we be waiting for? One hour. One hour. One hour. Remember that. One hour, according to the Ramo. So that, in reality, is the way that the Ramo paskins. But he concludes, are those that are vigilant, to wait six hours between eating meat and milk. And that is the correct way to do it. So therefore, fundamentally, it's important to note, according to the opinion of the Ramah, in essence, a person doesn't need to wait, provided he waits between meals. But in reality, we paskin that a person should wait six hours. Okay. Happy with that, ladies? Good. Now, let's go on to, what is the source for three hours? What is the source for three hours? Debbie, you have your glasses here? Oh, it's going to be very challenging for you to read. Okay, John, do you want to read for us? What is the source for three hours? 71. Do you, you don't want to read? Okay, Lana, you in? What, what is the source of, for three hours? Now that we have studied the different opinions and reasons for waiting between meat and dairy, some of you may be thinking to yourself, 
that your family custom was not mentioned so far if you wait three hours. What happened to that opinion? So guys, just at this moment in time, how many opinions do we have? Two. How many opinions do we have? Three. We've got three opinions, right? What opinions do we have, how's it glad? Right, the three opinions are the following. Between Is that meals. between meals? Six. Six and one. one. So we've got three opinions, right? 100%. According to the Shulchan Aruch, how does he paskin? Six. Six. According to the Ramor, fundamentally, what does he hold? One. Between, between meals. But he says that a person needs to wait one hour in order to be vigilant for the opinion of the Rambam. Right? Good. So the three. If you think about the sources we have seen, you can probably answer the question yourself. Have we seen any sources that mention this custom? No. Consequently, the real question we should be asking is where is where the custom that some have, often families from German descent or that come from England of waiting three hours is derived from if we didn't see any sources to support it. What could the logic for such a practice be? Would anyone like to give a go at what the logic of keeping three hours is? In England, they have high tea and a lot of other things. So between meals is three hours. Okay, so the range of between meals is the same. This last week. Okay, so then let's carry on. Good. We, we can find the beginning of the basis for this custom in the comments of the pre Kharash Siman 89.6, written by the Rabbi Chizkia de Silva, 1959-1698, who lived in both Amsterdam and Jerusalem. He suggests that the requirement to wait six hours, according to the Shulchan Aruch's approach, is not a precise measurement. Rather, it is simply the amount of time that is accepted to wait between meals. But this time may vary based on the time of year and location. See summary of his opinion in the excerpt from oh. the Teshuvah of Rabbi Badia Yosef oh. So the pre-Chadash is something very fundamental. In, in reality, who does the pre-Chadash hold like? The Rambam or the Tosvot? Rambam. In reality, he holds like the Rambam, it seems to be, that a person needs to wait an actual measurement of time. A person mustn't necessarily wait between meals. Right, you have it there? 71, right? A person needs to wait, not, a person doesn't need to wait um, between meals. A person needs to wait a significant amount of time. But, but, he feels that the six hours is not a requirement to wait between meals. Rather, it was an original suggestion that the Rambam came about in Paschal. Like, why? Because in the times of the Rambam, how often did people eat? People ate every six hours. So that means that it doesn't necessarily have to be six hours. It just needs to be between meals. And today, right, since the notion of people eating has changed, therefore we can be reliant on the fact that what? Three hours between meals is considered what the social norm is for people. Right? And what's it based on? If you look at this, uh, the, the, the pre-Chadash, if you look at this purple blo- um, box, he expels it out here beautifully. He says, Right? A person doesn't need to actually wait six hours. But what does a person need to do? A person needs to have an actual amount of time between meat and milk. And therefore, What about in winter, when the days are very, very short? We don't expect a person to wait six hours because when is a person going to be eating supper? A person's going to be eating supper earlier. We all know we're going to eat supper earlier in the winter months. So therefore, you don't have to wait all the way to the night time in order to eat supper. A person can eat milk a little bit later in the afternoon. If a person eats meat 
in the uh, at lunchtime, right? Mutalachogvinabayerev. He can go about and he can wait till the evening in order to wait, to eat cheese. Af al gav deleika ella arba shos bekeruv ben achila lachila. Even though it isn't six hours, there's maybe three hours and four hours, something like that. Why? Because at the end of the day, the six hours was based on the social norm of the Rambam. Since that social norm has changed today, especially in areas where it's going to get dark a lot early in winter time, then a person can wait between meals. Okay? So the question is the following, guys. The question is the following. So why don't we say that a person needs to go about and wait six hours in summer when the days are long and three hours in winter when the days are short? Because in summer we always find that we go about and we eat later. Remember on holiday in December when you go to the, the coast, you only eat supper at like 8 o'clock at night, right? So why don't we say... In the summertime, you go about and you extend the meal times, but in winter times, so the uh, Rav David Pardo, he says that no, there's something called a loy plug. What does a loy plug mean? Is that we don't divide up the different opinions. If we are happy enough in order to say that three hours is going to be a legitimate amount of time to wake, it's good enough for both summer and winter. We don't extend it based on winter, based on summer. Rather, we give the amount of time and that is that. Okay, makes sense. Yeah? Let's carry on, right? Okay, so according to this logic, the late afternoon dinner meal may have been eaten much earlier in the day during the winter when it got dark than in the summer. Apparently he believes that according to Rashi's reason of tasting the mouth, it must not exist longer than the amount of time they wait in the winter. Therefore, we can always wait three or four hours based on that logic. Even if in the summer they did wait six hours in between. Months. Important. Remember that, ladies. Remember we had a, a, a original machloikas. What is the reason that we wait? According to the opinion of Rashi, the reason that we wait is that we've got that fatty substance of meat on our lips. According to the opinion of the Rambam, the reason that we wait is because you've got actual pieces of meat stuck. So according to the Rambam, Right? It's got, there's no matter. He said, as long as you've waited um, an amount of time, it's going to come out of your teeth because the Rambam holds it at six hours. But according to the opinion of Rashi, is that if people were going to wait in summer a lot longer, but in winter a lot shorter, it must be that it didn't take six hours for the fattiness in order to evaporate. It took a lot less. And therefore, since it took a lot less, what do we find? We don't need to go to the more Mahmur type of waiting, a person can wait to the amount that it is going to evaporate and that is going to be three hours. So that is the opinion of Rashi. Okay, now carry on, carry on. The second version of this argument may help solve the following question. Why did German and English Jews specifically appear to have adopted this approach of waiting three hours? The answer is that it may have to do with cultural customs in those countries. So what do you think? What was unique about Germany and England? They eat meals more frequently. Right. Where did high tea come from? England. In England. High tea came from England. So therefore, also Ger apparently Germans um, have um, <laughs> smaller meals between meals in order to go about and keep their blood sugar level up. Uh, opposed to some of the other countries who are daft, we're just going to have three big meals a day, right? The Germans and the English have, have a few four, smaller meals a day. So in Germany and England, what did they do? They dafka had a hard tea. They dafka had a, what's it between lunch? They dafka had brunch. Brunch, where did brunch come from again? Brunch was an English uh, induction. So with regards to this, since the periods of eating were a lot smaller, therefore 
the between meal periods became a lot smaller as well. So therefore, what do we find? That's why it was adopted in those countries. But other Western countries um, don't necessarily adopt that practice because they are used to eating meals but, um, with a larger quantity between each meal. But now why three hours? Why not four hours? Why, why not two and a half hours? Yeah. Why, why do they suck three hours out? So if you see, he doesn't necessarily say three hours. He said three or four hours, i.e. is that when it gets, he's basing it on the premise, when it gets very dark in winter, a person eats earlier. So the smallest amount of time that a person is going to wait between eating meals is going to be three hours in the middle of winter. So that, since that's the smallest amount of time, that is, seems to be the amount of time that is taken as the uh, amount of time that a person should go about and wait. Okay, so where we have now is the following is that we still haven't necessarily adopted the custom of three hours. Three hours has been a German custom, it's been an English custom. We've got three time periods that we could use. The actual between meals, like we've seen toasters, actually between a meal. We've seen the application of going about and waiting one hour, that's the Ramor of Moshe Isilis. We've also seen six hours like the Rambam. Okay? According to the Shulchan Aruch, a person should wait six hours according to the Ramor, person should wait one hour but the Ramor concludes that a person should be vigilant and wait how long six hours okay so we wait six hours as Ashkenazi now the question is is that how um, severe or important is the practice of custom because this is all custom correct in reality a person can eat meat straight afterwards because the only prohibition is eating meat and milk that is cooked together, or milk eating straight afterwards. So what, how important is the value of custom? Can I go about and change my custom because I want to? If I go about and move to England, can I change my custom? Can I change my custom because I'm married into a family that goes about and waits three hours or one hour? What is going to be the severity and importance of custom? That's a very important question in order to hone in what should I be doing in terms of Waiting. But remember, in conclusion, at this point in time, Ashkenazi wait how long? Six, Six hours, right? Six hours, unless you've got the Masoira of waiting. One. Three hours, right? One isn't, if you've got the Masoira of waiting one, you wait one, right? That's why they say in, in uh, Holland they wait one hour, because Holland, what is the primary production? Cheese. Food? Cheese, right? So because cheese was eaten very frequently, Right? At between meals, they went about and they ate uh, one hour. Yeah? Very interesting. So let's have a look. The importance of custom. Ilona, are you happy reading? Yeah. The importance of custom. While seeing the various opinions cited here regarding how long one should wait, one might be tempted to adopt one, adopt one of the less stringent opinions. After all, why wait six hours if one's friend comes from a family that only waits three or one? This is a great opportunity to remind ourselves the importance of minhag, custom, in the Jewish community. While we are one nation, we have always accepted that just as there are various uh, shvatim, 12 tribes in all, there is room for varying customs as long as they do not violate halacha. In fact, the various customs of different locals of, Jew of Jews are a means for each and every community to maintain its unique heritage while remaining adamant in its observance of the halakha. For this reason, minhag must be kept and actually contributes to the rainbow of beautiful strands among the Jewish people. So we can't take minhag for granted, right? Minhag 
if it's there's certain types of minhag, minhag that is stemming from the Gomorrah, minhag that is stemmed by community, minhag that is stemmed from the Bastin, and if it's a proper minhag, it actually has a very, very, very severe stance from if, if a person would uh, deviate from it. So let's have a look at minhag with regards to this. Where do we where do we go about and uh, and uh, derive it from? Listen, my son, to the disciple of your father, and do not separate from the teachings of your mother. Oh, so this is a pasuk in Mishlei, right? Shema b'ni Musar avich v'alti toish terasimecha. Don't deviate from listening to your mother. Right? So what is that in reference to? That's in reference of going about listening to Minhag. So it's not something that it's nice to do. It's very important because what does a person go about and do? A person needs to derive it from a Torah source. Now, why is that so important that we're deriving it from a Torah source? Because something that is derived from a Torah source has a lot more in inverted commas. Authenticity. I can't get it out. Authenticity. Then something that isn't derived from a Torah source. Right? So whether or not Minhag is going to be from the Torah itself is going to allow us to see a few practical applications which we're going to see over here. Go for it. Jews who hope one day to join one another in the land of Israel who all come from different countries and even continents and maintain a connection to the communities of our past before we reach our glorious future. That is the backdrop for our Menhagen and we should remain true to that part of our glorious heritage. Oh, so what are some of the practical ramifications with regards to moving or with regards to whether we wait one hour, three hours, six hours, so on and so forth. One of the, uh, there's going to be two practical ramifications that we're going to discuss over here. The first practical ramification is someone who's unwell, someone who's sick, right, and needs to have milk, milk of the meat. Does he need to wait or not have to wait? Okay, that's the first thing that we're going to deal with. The second thing that we're going to deal with is something very, it's happened to us. I'm telling you it's happened to us practical many a times. Let's say you fly sick, right, you've just had a burger, Right, you've waited, let's say, 45 minutes. You've waited an hour. Right, we can discuss the time period to see if it will go about and affect it. So what happens? Someone puts a piece of chocolate in front of you. You say, And what's in front of you? Piece of chocolate. Do I eat the chocolate or not? Because on the one hand... You remembered yet. That you yes, as I said, so, so what about saying a brocha? What? Hey, who's been in that situation? I haven't. I've been in a situation where I've already put it in my mouth. I haven't chewed it yet. Okay, so what do you do? Do you spit out? Because let's talk about that. But let's first talk about someone who's sick. Does he need to wait? Okay. And I've got one more thing to ask you. Please. On this thing that I have heard from before, and, and you might have to look this up. From, from students from Rabbi Goldfine's yeshiva, ones that had been there for a very long yeah. time, and this was years ago. Yes. From, from the actual Rabbi Goldfine, when he was alive still, that had said that they had learned at the time that if they had eaten something that was of meat concentrate, that wasn't of actual meat, so let's say they had put gravy from meat onto rice, let's say, then they would be able to eat something that had, that was made of milk, but wasn't the majority of that of that food wasn't made of milk. Also, so let's say the majority of chocolate is 
the, the, the main ingredient of a chocolate is actually sugar. It's not milk. If you look at the ingredients. So they were able to, let's say they ate something like that, they were able to eat a chocolate after having something that was... A derivative of meat. Yes. Okay. Uh, I, I, I need to... Yes, so go and yeah. some I need to look at that. <laughs> right? Uh, halakhically, there would be no problem, right? As we've learned. Halakhically, there's no yes. problem. But whether or but not... You could have tea because the amount, the main... So you know, whether or not they did that in practice, whether or not... I, no, that I'm I not could sure. ask yeah. them if I could do it in practice. And at the time, they gave me full license to do it in practice. And I did. Yeah. Okay. So, I'll, I'll look up a bit on that. Okay. So, let's have a look. Right? Um, does one need to wait? Someone who's sick, does he, does he or she need to wait? Sometimes not. So, I can see why they should wait. Because if you... No, we're not necessarily talking about someone who's a choile. If someone's proper oh. sick. If a person's proper sick, then a person doesn't uh, need to wait know, at all. Right? Yeah, let, let's say a person's got, uh, got flu and he, he needs to, or she needs to drink milk. Um, in order to get the, uh, the milk enzyme, right? Do they need to wait the six hours that is required, or is three hours going to be permissible? Three hours. Oh, are you talking about from Maybe six to three, three or are you talking to one? Or even to one, right? So interesting to note, according to the Oruch HaShulchan, Yechel Michal Epstein, one of the greatest poskim uh, of uh, the generation, about, uh, but probably about 100 years ago, right? He says that if a person is sick, and is flashic and needs to have milk products, it is sufficient for that individual to wait one hour. I saw that somewhere. Yeah, one hour. Because what is the premise? The premise is that in reality, a person that as Ashkenazim, Paskan like there are more, that in reality, a person sh does need to wait between eating a meat meal and a milk meal. One hour is going to be sufficient. So therefore, if a person is in a situation where they need the milk, Right? Or they need a milk product that is going to be halakhically enough in order to justify that what? That one hour can be waited. Okay. The, the next question is the important question that we wanted to raise beforehand. What happens if someone is flashy, they say the brocha, and do they eat the chocolate or do they not eat the chocolate? Do they take a sip of the tea or do they not take a sip of the tea? So let's have a little bit of a look at the background to this. Ilana, go for it. Food for thought. Esther, after eating her chicken sandwich for lunch, stopped at a store and bought a chocolate bar. She opened the package and right after making a broccoli on her chocolate bar, she realized she had eaten meat less than two hours before. She stopped dead in her tracks, unsure of what to do. If she doesn't eat the chocolate bar, it would be a broccoli lavatola, which she has just learned was a big problem halakhically. If she takes a bite of the chocolate, will have been less than six hours from the time she had eaten meat. So, why, why would it be okay just to go about and not wait six hours? Wait three hours? Because if it's Saturday, then you can wait one hour. But more than that is that, remember, waiting six hours, if it's been taken on as a custom... Because it's a Durabonan and the other one is a Durabonan. Oh, so the question is, what's a Durabonan and what's a Doraisa? Right? This concept of Minhag, is this Durabonan or is it Doraisa? Right? I mean, but we, we, it stems from the Pasuk, right? It's Ishmabani Musar Havicha. It stems from an actual verse itself. If it stems from an actual verse itself, then it's more than rabbinic in nature. So, but Minhag... There are, but there are different opinions. There's different opinions. And, but, oh, sorry, let, let's have a look. So, a brocha levatola, making a brocha in vain. For example, 
There's different elements of making a brocha in vain. But one of the, the most common themes is that what happens if you, you recite the brocha and you have nothing to eat afterwards? Then the brocha that you're, that you're meant to go about and recite it on is going on nothing. That, that's a brocha said in vain. If a person, God forbid, transgresses on that, is that rabbinic in nature or is that Torah in nature? So let's have a look. This is very interesting. Have a look. What should she do in this situation? In order to answer this question, one has to understand the status of a bracha levatola. The Rishonim disagree on this concept. The Rambam says that we learn the concept of bracha levatola from the bracha levatola from the Torah Doraisa, and therefore this halacha holds a lot of weight. Sorry? Oh, let's have a look. Very good. And the Rambam think otherwise and say that the concept of Brocha Levatola is a rabbinic enactment. Oh, so let's have a look. Let's put it all together, guys. Um, if Brocha Levatola is going to be a Torah prohibition, then if a person says, call me a bit borrowed, they've got a cho- choice. Either they can take a bite of the chocolate and then the Brocha would come into fruition, or they don't eat the chocolate and. The brocha will be a brocha levatola. But eating the cho- chocolate would constitute eating meat in less than, right? less than six hours. What should a person do in such a scenario? But here it says two different things. The one says the Rambam says oh, we learn so, the concept. And then it here says Toshbach and the Rambam say. Ramban. Oh, Ramban. Okay. So, guys, it's going to be dependent. Okay, okay but we, who do we hold? Oh, so if we had to hold like the Rambam, that's a Torah prohibition in order to eat um, in, in, to recite a brocha levatola, then what should we do? We should rather take a small bite of the chocolate. Right? If the prohibition of a brocha levatola is only rabbinic, what should we do? Because here you've got two rabbinic elements. What are the two rabbinic elements? Eating, between, eating meat and milk together, or um, less than six hours meat and milk. And what's the other rabbinic the broccoli of Atona. So which one's stronger? Okay, hear, hear the question. Yes, except that, except that Toysfot said that it was, didn't he say that it was, was between meals? What did he, what did oh, he so what, in his, in, 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 the, in the original? So everyone is going to agree that it is going to be hours. rabbinic. Everyone's going to agree that eating less than six hours is going to be rabbinic in nature. Everyone's going to agree that eating in less than six hours is going to be rabbinic in nature. Everyone agrees. And you should make, you should eat the chocolate. So according, if we pass on like the Rambam, then a person should have to go about and eat the chocolate. Why should a person eat the chocolate? Because that's going to, um, that's going to be a brocha. If a person does not eat the chocolate, then there's two rabbinic things that are conflicting one another. What are the two rabbinic things that are conflicting one another? On the one hand... A brocha levatola, brocha said in vain. And on the other hand, not waiting the full quota of hours between meat and milk. So which one should one do? Yeah? Hear it? So there's a concept that if a person is going to sin, a person should rather sin passively than actively. It's called shave va'altase. Rather be passive and don't actively sin. If I did not eat the chocolate... Would that be a passive or an active transgression? Passive. If I actively ate the chocolate? Active. active. So, if we paskin like the Rambam, ladies, gentlemen, then what should we do? Eat the chocolate. 
If we pass in like Tosfos or the Ramban, then what should we do? Not eat the chocolate. How do we paskin? Right? We actually, Rabbi Vadya Yosef and uh, Shulchan Aruch rule according to the Rambam that eating a chocolate or, or that eating that a brocha is going to be a Torah prohibition. So if anyone finds himself in a situation with a fleshik, they've made a brocha on the chocolate, a person should rather go about and eat the piece of chocolate or drink the cup of tea than not. Okay. Got two questions. The first one is that what you were asking earlier was was different because you said forty five minutes. This was was less, less than, than six two hours. hours. Why would there be a difference? Oh, is there no difference? No difference. Okay. Is it, as long as it's not together. Because hundred percent. Sorry. Still. Still eat the chocolate because remember that's only rabbinic in nature. The only time that would be a Torah discussion is what happens if you've got a burger and cheese that is cooked together, right? Then, right, that's an interesting shala. Does a person make the brocha or not? Okay. The way that would paskin is rather do the passive element. So the passive element would transgress the brocha levatola and not necessarily eat. What's the second question, Lana? Okay. Well, we're going to end that there. That, that's the end of meat and milk. We'll please God uh, carry on next week. Okay, guys. Oh, my question is. Yeah, to the school that. That if you didn't say a brocha, let's say I never said I ate the meat, and now I've eaten the, um, I put the chocolate in my mouth without saying a brocha. So that's an independent question. What do you do if you haven't said a brocha? Right. Because now, now, I haven't, now there's no broker levatola because I haven't actually said a broker to you, the chocolate. Yeah, but it's already in your mouth. So you've already transgressed that. So it's already in your mouth. Okay, oh, yeah, it's yeah. in my mouth. It's already in my mouth. But now, have I transgressed? Would you transgress the fact that you didn't make a broker? Yes. That would be the transgression. Yes. But not necessarily the meat and milk element of it. That's why you're back to your safe pack. Yes. Anyone that is collate money? Um, no. That's a, that's a no. That's a, that's a, no. That's a, that's a, that's a that's not that enough. That's so that you should actually do yeah. is rather eat the chocolate. Yes. Can, uh, can you, if you remember while it's in your mouth, then come around. So it depends on the type of food. There's, there's three types of food. There's a solid food like a sweet, right? Something that um, is not so solid but not putrid like, uh, let's say, a piece of apple, right? And something that is liquid. So, if it's a solid sweet, you should take it out your mouth, say a brocha, and then put it back in your mouth. Maybe right? you can put another sweet in. You can put another sweet in, but if you have another sweet in. Right? So, if you've got a sweet, you forgot to say a brocha, you put it in your hand, and then what do you do? You make the brocha, and then you put it back in. If it's something that is not solid, but it's putrid to take out your mouth, for example, like a piece of pasta, it's, you could take it out, but it's a little bit putrid. There you put it in the side of your mouth, make a brocha, and swallow it. If it's liquid that you can't even put it in the side of the mouth, then what do you do? Right? So there's a machlokus, right? There's a machlokus. Um, actually, what a person should do is subtly spit it out, if possible, okay, so now make I a brocha. Yeah. 
that I've had. So now can I now start... Now you say you're unbroken. Now you say you're unbroken. Now say you're unbroken. Now unbroken. Now That's it. The sound of your mouth. If you can. If you can. But it's, it's quite difficult. I don't do very bad. So in the morning, if there's a doubt, since all brochas are going to be rabbinic, we've got a general concept that if it's a suffix, if it's a doubt, since it's rabbinic in con- since it's rabbinic in uh, in concept, then a person can assume that he did say it. Yeah. Yeah. Unless benching, benching. Since benching is from the Torah, if a person is not necessarily sure if he benched or not, he needs to go about and bench again. But all other brochas, a person can assume that he did and doesn't necessarily have to go do it again. No. All brochas are rabbinic. Yeah. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, shkoyach.